1: Mutual. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Friday, December 24th, 2021 is mutual. My favorite word. I think if I had to do a top five favorite words, I'd probably have deleterious. I'd have de minimis. That's two D words. Mutual would certainly be, it's not on the podium, but it's the top five. In sports, mutuality. Mutuality of interest. Writers like saying that because executives like giving that to the writers and agents do too. We've got interest in that team and that team has interest in that player. There's mutual interest in that player. Is that important? Does, do, think about this. Do players only sign free agent contracts after there's been mutual interest? Does there have to be mutual interest? Here's a shocking note, folks. There does not. If you offer a player an amount of money that the agent calls you and says, I know you're not going to do this. But if you go three years, $7 million a year, he's going to be a Marlin. John Buck will be a Marlin. He's not interested in the Marlins, but he'll be a Marlin. All right, we'll go 21 by three. Done. We're in. There was definitely not mutual interest there. Or is mutual interest by definition what happens when a player signs? But during the course of an offseason, during a lockout, which is what we're in now, we actually have an MLB lockout update. The update is threefold. One, Carlos Correa. Mutual interest with the Chicago Cubs. Remember, Carlos Correa is in a position where Corey Seager, another shortstop, signed for $325 million. Javi Baez, a shortstop, already signed. And of course, I'm not giving you them out because it's totally escaped my mind. I want to say 180, something like that, Coca this is terrible Tigers 170 180 by seven something give it to me coca 140 over six for Javi Baez he signed you've got Lindor for 341 you remember he signed he was going to be one of the big free agents Trevor Story has not signed yet he's a free agent Carlos Correa has not signed yet there's some question what happened is he waiting to pass Seager at 325 does he have a little bit of a back issue? We talked on a previous episode about what could be happening, and the answer was it doesn't matter how he feels because the agent will say and that he's fine. Then there'll be an agreement. Then there'll be a physical. In the physical, the player will pass because there's nothing wrong with Correa enough that would tell a team doctor to tell a team president, hey, I wouldn't sign Carlos Correa. So the only question is, will there be a team out there that will give Correa what he wants? So what is happening during the lockout is you've got agents and teams purportedly not talking. I have a surprise for you. I'm not supposed to whisper. I think it screws up the microphone. Can you hear me? Here's the surprise. Yes. Teams and agents and players, (gasps) they're talking. They're not supposed to be. They don't tell anyone because it's a total violation. But when you are setting yourself up where you know once the lockout ends, whether it's January, February, or March, doesn't matter. You know what holes you have to fill in your roster. You know which players you wanna fill them. You're not gonna wait for the Kentucky Derby-like sprint unaided by Bob Baffert's needle in the tuchus. You're not gonna wait for that. You're talking. You're not talking in a public way. You're not meeting at restaurants. You're not texting from anything other than your burner phone. There's people around Florida you may see each other in passing, wink, wink. You may be at Rascal's Deli together, wink, wink. There's opportunities to communicate during a lockout. And agents are doing the same thing now that they do when there is no lockout. They are drumming up a market for their player in order for other team owners to get nervous that the player they want is going to go to another team, preferably a team in their own division. That's the best way to get owners to overpay. You pretend the Padres or the Giants are going to sign Correa to see if the Dodgers will step up where you pretend the Angels are going to get them to get the Astros to step up. You just take a look at these standings. It's pretty easy to see which teams are in which division and then where the rumors are coming from. And the question you should be asking if you live on the south side of Chicago, Illinois, is are we rebuilding or not? We are not bringing back Baez or Rizzo or Bryant, nor should we. Baez is not worth 140 over 6. Bryant is not worth what he's going to get paid, notwithstanding the run he had with the Giants at the end of last season. Rizzo is a great guy in the clubhouse, but past his prime. And the Cubs know that they're in sort of a retool, not a rebuild, but a retool. Jed Hoyer acknowledged that. So are you going to bring in someone named Carlos Correa? Well, I want you to remind you of a player named Edwin Jackson was the player the Cubs signed in the middle of their last rebuild. Who was a total disaster although edwin's a great guy pitched for the marlins i think while the cubs were still paying him actually but they were nervous they were nervous about wrigleyville they were nervous that their team was so bad they wanted to have some amount of credibility during the course of their retool to get back into competition to get back to where the cubs rightfully belong on top of a division but when you are signing a player for pr you don't go 10 years, $325.5 million because Correa, in theory, is going to beat Seeger but fall below Lindor. You just don't do that. You sign a middling free agent for three, four years, sort of like what, uh, what Garcia signed with the Marlins, like you do $50 million over four, something like that. So when I read about the mutual interest, if I'm the president of the Cubs, which is a great guy named Crane Kinney, or the owner, Tom Ricketts, I need to quash that immediately because the worst thing, even for a large market team is to have your fan base believe that you are going to do something that you know you're not going to do. And then there's a buildup and then a level of disappointment. We would go the other way. And that's what you're seeing Derek Jeter do with the Marlins still, where you say you're in on all these people, then you don't get them and you say, but hey, we tried when the fact is you were never in on them and you were never making competitive offers. But when you are a team that has a higher payroll with higher expectations, you can't have that same theory of operating your team. And so when a large market team or a high revenue team is rumored to be attached to a player, there's all sorts of behind the scenes stuff that goes on to put those rumors to bed. So I think what you're going to see going forward is the Cubs attached to different players, They're going to shut down the Carlos Correa situation immediately because here's a wait to see, folks. Carlos Correa is not going to be a Chicago Cub. He does not fit A-T-A-L-L-N-A-C. Not a chance. Bonus wait to see. Wait to see. Here's the second one. This may be a short shelf life one, Coca. I think that Cody Bellinger is going to get $17 million and settle his arbitration case. I don't know why I think it. I just feel like the Dodgers, they tendered him, and I think they're going to settle with him. They don't want to go to the room. He's a former MVP, World Series winner. He's got a lot of things that give get you paid in arbitration. But he also hit a buck and a half. I think he hit below 200 last season, didn't he, Coca? He had that huge, huge playoff home run. I can't remember against who, but everyone said, oh, he's back. He's still under 200, but I think the Dodgers have no choice. Wait, there's breaking news here. Hold on. Wait, it's happening right now. Right now. No. (gasps) Wait to see. Cody Bellinger has agreed to a one-year $17 million deal to avoid arbitration, having batted 165 last year. Nailed it. How could a deal be approved right now? How could there be all these great lockout updates? Well, what they're doing is when right before the lockout, all these players were being signed. But it doesn't matter whether there's a lockout or not. But when the league is operating as it normally does, when you agree with a player to a contract, that is not a done deal. There is a condition precedent to the contract becoming guaranteed, and that is A, the approval of the commissioner's office, and B, the approval of the MLB Players Association. So in the normal course of operations, when they don't hate each other, which was like a Tuesday seven years ago, they all got together and sang kumbaya. But other than that, when they, even when they do hate each other or upset with each other, it's not done by Rob Manford or Tony Clark. It's not even done by Dan Helm or Bruce Mayer. There are millions of people whose job is to confirm contracts. It doesn't even get to the commissioner's desk or Tony Clark's desk. But this time was different because all of these signings that were taking place right before the lockout. Do you remember that frenzy of free agency when everyone was all excited and all these guys signed for all this amount of money? And the commissioner used that to say how healthy the game is and how many billions of dollars. And we told you that that was a total crock of crap, that it was all done purposefully so the owners could say that they're doing it but the billion dollars was all from a few players who were completely and ridiculously and abhorrently overpaid. Well, other than those huge deals, there were a bunch of one-year deals and a bunch of arbitration settlements that took place too. Remember what happened with Justin Verlander that he agreed to a deal prior to the lockout right before it, but they only got to approve it just now and then announced it. The Bellinger deal was only announced now because the league does not want to announce anything regarding its players. The team cannot announce anything regarding its players. If you look at the team websites, there's nothing about the players. If you look at MLB Network, there's nothing about the players. And if you're a team signing a player, you want to get a little bit of good press. You want to get something. So coincidentally, last night it came out that Bellinger had agreed to that one-year $17 million deal. And the Dodgers, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh Sweep that under the table. President of the Marlins, I'd be so angry. They have $17 million to pay that guy based on past performance, not indicative of future results. It's like they work at a Wall Street firm. Past, per- Anytime you do anything on Wall Street and anytime you see, oh, this guy's investment returns are 14%, but past results are not indicative. No, sorry, cut that, 4869. When you work on Wall Street and you make an investment, and let's say the investment made 14% last year, there's a big thing, right? It's like those ads on TV where you take a medicine, but it says, this medicine could make your heart stop. If you have a cold, it can make your lungs stop. Plus, if you plan on having kids, don't do it. And if you're pregnant, make sure that you don't have a baby with seven heads. But ask your local pharmacist, this is the greatest thing ever for the sniffles. That's the new law, right? The last 10 years where these commercials end with 30 seconds of someone screaming as quickly as they can, all the bad stuff that can happen, but it helps your prostate. (laughs) Do you ever wanna take any medicine when all those things could happen? Why was I going through a laundry list of things, Coca? I totally got detoured. We were talking about Bellinger, right? And 17 million in one year, I think, right? But, oh, on Wall Street, thank you. You don't even, I got there all by myself, Coca. You're silent, I think you're sleeping still. Morning, good morning. So, what it says when you get 14%, it says past performance is not indicative. No, it's not that. Past results are not indicative of future performance. That's Cody Bellinger. Well, Merry Christmas, Cody. A lump of coal is what the Dodgers will get, and they can afford $17 million. Did you read what Aaron Boone said yesterday? Aaron Boone did a whole media availability but I think you may have been in a charity event or somewhere because very few people are talking to the press during the lockout and you're not allowed to talk about your current players so they sent Aaron Boone out to talk about how great their non-40-man roster first round pick is some guy I don't know Dewey Cheatham Howe or Larry Moe Curly, whatever his name is he's some pitcher and Aaron Boone was saying how good he is and I kept smiling because Aaron Boone who as you know is a great guy nobody well, you don't know I'm just telling you he really is He tried to tell you how hard it is right now. It's so hard. He can't talk to any of his players. (laughs) Come on, Booney. You know you're talking to your players. (sighs) Of course they are. We always talk to the players when there's negotiating going on. Always. All right, did you read about my cunt? I couldn't even believe it. I had a text exchange with Will Middlebrooks. I wanted to have an argument with him but jenny wouldn't let me jenny jenny don't you lose my number eight six seven five three oh nine nine mike cunt is a writer former writer for the milwaukee journal sentinel which used to be the milwaukee journal and the milwaukee sentinel milwaukee had two papers a morning paper and a night paper that is not a sustainable business model so they combined it and said you are now the milwaukee journal sentinel the way players get voted into the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame class will be announced. We did a show on it a while ago. Side note, Coca, I keep getting asked on Twitter at David P. Sampson where people can see the movie lists or what movies we reviewed because someone asked if I'd seen Three Identical Strangers and I said, yes, we reviewed it. And someone else asked about another movie that I reviewed a while ago. Do we have anywhere that we... How do people go back? Can you search in Apple or Spotify according to the description of the shows that you put on each show? I don't know if you do that. So this is what Coca would like you to do. Thank you, I will tell everyone right now. You sure you wanna tell me in your voice? Re-listen and download to every show again. We're taking an entire week off. This is the last show. We're back on January 3rd, and I do feel badly because someone was in our Twitter, Coca, and said i'm working between christmas and new years and no one does pods and we're supposed to be an everyday show i should point out i believe that we did 255 or 256 episodes and the total number of monday through fridays is 365 days minus 104 saturdays and sundays right 52 and 52 so in, sh- in theory 365 minus 104 is 261. And I believe we did 256 episodes this year, which means we only missed five days. And that includes the fact that we're not doing shows next week. We'll be back on the third. I can't promise you that Coca's not gonna record shows while I'm gone because after episode 500, he has told me numerous times, now that he's a world traveler, he made it through London and Paris. He said, frankly, David, what you do, I can do that easily. You can't do what I do, but I can do what you do. So while well, I'm away next week, maybe there's a chance that Coca will do it. If not, listen to every show. And if not, there's a bunch of people who want to do apps for nothing personal to list all of the words of the day and movies that we've reviewed and wait to seize. I think we should do that, Coca. But I think we should wait until after the quiet period. Okay? So the Hall of Fame is going to be announced in January. And... Word came out yesterday that this guy from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, I found a way back, can you believe it? I found a way back. A guy named Mike Hunt, he voted for nobody and everyone's up in arms. He submitted a blank ballot for a second year in a row after only voting for Jeter the year before. Coke is up in arms, Middlebrooks is furious. Everybody is viewing this as an abuse of privilege. It's not about them said matthew coca it's not about the baseball writers it's about these hall of fame players and one thing during our pre-show where we negotiate the topics and he tells me what to say and what not to say and how not to get canceled like chris Knott. and i tell him what i want to talk about and then we argue and then we talk again and then we make up and then we go to bed and then we talk again in the morning separately what did we argue about again <laughs> oh yes he said and i agreed with him Why is someone a Hall of Famer on a ballot one year and the same writer doesn't put them on the ballot the next year? Well, the answer is you can only vote for 10 players out of a whole ballot. And if players have more years ahead of them, then there's sometimes – writers who will give a vote to someone who's at the end of their time on the ballot because they know they've got time for another player like Todd Helton for example you've got time but Kurt Schilling is at the end Roger Clemens is at the end and Barry Bonds is at the end so if you're going to vote for them you vote for them now and if you run out of space you can vote for Todd Helton later that's the reason that writers give you and I find it to be a bunch of horse hockey either you're a hall of famer the minute that you are eligible or you're not I I, obviously I'm appreciative of how Andre Dawson got in. I'm appreciative of how Tim Raines got in, but don't get me wrong. Those guys were hall of famers in the first ballot, but somehow it's a thing. Are you a first ballot hall of famer? I never bought into that. No executives talk about that. We don't talk about, oh, Mariano Rivera's unanimous hall of famer. No, there's hall of famers, and then there's hall of fame people on the ballot, like Jeff Conine was on the ballot for a hot second, That's still a huge honor. Mark Burley is on the ballot this year. Still not returning my calls. Mark, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I traded you to Toronto. How many times, it's been 10 years. I'm sorry, please. Can you respond to a birthday text one time? (sighs) What were we talking about? Ah, The voting for the hall of fame. Mark Burley's on the ballot. He's probably going to get below 5%, but it's still a huge honor. Great career. So why are people upset with Mike? Well, he seems to have gotten it all right, hasn't he? Two years ago, only one person got in, Jeter. That means his ballot was exact. Last year, zero people got voted into the Hall of Fame. He voted for zero people. He seems to know what he's doing. This year, he's still at zero because he views all of the first ballot people, the people who are on the ballot for the first time, that he's not going to vote for them. He's not going to vote for A-Rod, not not for A-Rod. Wait, that's how many negatives? Not not is, that means yes. He's not going to not vote for A-Rod this year. Not going to, not not. He's not going to not not vote for A-Rod this year just so he can not not vote for him next year. Count the negatives. That was exactly correct in what I meant to say. So he believes that A-Rod, in his mind, is not a Hall of Famer. I'm with him. If he didn't vote for Barry Bonds before, nothing happened. He's gonna not vote for him again. Kurt Schilling, same. All of these guys. So the criticism that Mike is, hap- is getting right now is unfounded. Is he the indicator of what's gonna happen? Is it possible that the ballot will be empty? Here's a little hint that's gonna be hugely controversial. Shh. Don't tell anyone. There's a new leader of the Hall of Fame. As you know, Jeff Idelson used to be the president, and then he was replaced by someone named Tim Meade. Tim Meade had to step down because he was with the Anaheim Angels, the whole Tyler Skagg situation. So Jeff Idelson came back, then Jeff Idelson left, and now they have a guy named Josh, somebody, Coca. I want to say it's Ray Witch, but I'm a, something Witch and Ray in that order they're not gonna have what's the name coca was raw witch but how's that for a brain on a random friday morning with vacation in the front view mirror by a matter of 25 minutes not bad someone's getting voted into the hall of fame because last year when no one got voted in they still had a ceremony because the one for jeter was ruined by covid And so they got to do Jeter in 21 when he was the class of 20. So they got to cover up the fact that no one was voted in in 21. Because of COVID, the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown has lost tremendous revenue. They had to shut down. Their revenue comes from visitors. Their revenue comes from Hall of Fame weekends. They need a big in-person Hall of Fame weekend. They need the revenue to make up for what they lost because they are subsidized by Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball is cutting that budget because they don't want to spend the money on the Hall of Fame the way they have because they're not rolling in money the way they did because of COVID. Therefore, there will be people, players voted in, which means my cunt for the first time in three years is not going to get it right. But is it his right? You're darn right it is. Okay. Did you see? We had a wait to see yesterday. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And then when it happens, we revisit it. When it doesn't, we revisit it. This was a wait to see from yesterday, maybe, where I said the Gator Bowl will go on. I know it doesn't matter. It's not one of the big bowl games. It's not the orange or the cotton or the rose or the whatever. The Kimmel Bowl or the... What's the one they're playing now? The Chaya Chinga... Something last night they played that I can't remember, but these sponsors you can't keep track of it. The Taco Bell, the Gaslight Bowl, the gasprilla Bowl, whatever. So I said, "Wait to see the Gator Bowl will go on." Remember, tax, tax, Texas. Slow it down. Be calm. Four, six, nine. Texas A and M pulled out of the Gator Bowl. They had COVID. I said someone will replace them. Because the Gator Bowl, like all other bowls, will be played. The reason they'll be played is they've got broadcast deals that give them money. Then yesterday, the wait to see came true when Rutgers, with our president, Jonathan Holloway, the guy, as you recall, who did a sit-down with us, is going to play Wake Forest, in the Gator Bowl, which will be in Jacksonville on December 31st, one week from today. That is how quickly Rutgers has to get ready to play Wake Forest. So that way, to see happen, the Gator Bowl will go on. I was thinking about Jonathan Holloway and absolutely the type of hell he's in right now. Think about it, right? When you're the president of a university, you're looking at a spreadsheet. You're looking at your numbers. You're looking at your athletic department. You're looking at your development, which means how much money you're bringing in from donors and alums, et cetera. You're looking at what happened with tuition and the fact that how many people are on financial aid. So you're looking at the discount rate, it's called, which is the actual effective tuition that students pay because for every student that pays full rate, if there's a student who is on full financial aid, that means that the team, that the team that the school is getting an effective Tuition of half of the real tuition. If you have one person paying sixty and one person paying zero, like on a scholarship, so you look at your numbers and you realize, ooh, we could use some extra money. Ooh, Texas A and M is out of the Gator Bowl. Hello, hi, I'm Jonathan. Yes, I would love to play. Yeah, we'll get our players ready to go. They've got a week to do it. They're going to be totally fine. They'll be fine. Okay. I think people at Rutgers are losing their minds. I bet you that Jonathan Holloway's email is absolutely stacked with people. I bet you he's getting everyone to say, how could you accept this? All of the major COVID people who don't want things to happen. They want the lockdowns to happen. How could you be playing? You don't care about the safety of your students. You're just going to throw caution to the wind and let them play football when they haven't even been practicing because their season was over. And now everyone's going to get COVID and oh my God. Here's my imitation of Jonathan Holloway. If you're watching this on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson, this is your best chance to see my reaction to Jonathan Holloway getting emails telling him that he doesn't care about his students. Here I go. Ready? Did you see that? All you could see were the whites of my eyes. I just rolled my eyes all the way to the back of my head that I could see the mark I have the end, the back of my earpiece. Of course Rutgers was going to play. You know how long it took him to make that decision to accept the Gator Bowl? Faster than a Gator would eat you in a canal in South Florida. When we come back, we're going to review a movie written, directed by Kenneth Branagh, Emma Thompson's ex-husband, a brilliant writer and director and actor. You've heard of him. You've actually seen him in a bunch of movies he sort of plays sometimes Shakespeare sometimes evil but always awesome it's called Belfast and then we're going to get to a few interesting questions that you all had for me that were quite timely we'll be right back welcome back to nothing personal this is it it's friday december 24th tonight's the night tonight tonight won't be just any night santa comes tonight's the last today's the last show you're going to be without my dulcet tones until january 3rd of 2022 quiet period january 3rd 2022 coke is threatening to do the show while, while i'm not doing it but then I'd have to produce and I don't know how to produce it. So this is it. There are a bunch of old mailbag pods. You can go back and listen to older episodes because we're not a highlight show as you know. If you're new to nothing personal and judging by the numbers, there's a lot of new people and that makes us happy. What a year we've had, Coca. Thank you. Thank you to the audience. Thank you to all of you for giving us 45 minutes of your time. We really do appreciate it. It's been one hell of a year off the field, on the field, absolute craziness. But one thing was consistent, that we were here 256 times, 45 minutes, not telling you who won a game, but giving you insight into things that are going on in the world of sports and culture and entertainment and politics. And I appreciate your time and so does Matthew. And we do not take it for granted. I do still watch a movie every day or a TV show. There's a lot to watch during this break. All the Oscar movies are going to come out. Don't Look Up, The Tragedy of Macbeth, Nightmare Alley, among others. Come on, come on. I'd like to see. But I did get to see on streaming a movie called Belfast. It is a, I'm going to give you the warning right now. It's in black and white, it's slow, it's talky. You need subtitles because you want to understand what they're saying, even though they're talking in English if you like 50 shades of way then you're gonna happy to be looking at jamie dornan who is the guy who starred in that with melanie griffith's daughter dakota johnson chris martin's love are they still dating i can't believe i'm not sure of that Benifer issue is is um what is her name dakota johnson still dating chris martin i believe they all go on vacation with gwyneth and apple and peach and pear i think that's how it works in that family of conscious uncoupling so jamie dornan's in this movie and it's a movie written by kenneth branagh who's from belfast about a time in belfast when there was war shocking it's belfast and there is some people who believe that the movie is about kenneth's dad he said that i watched the movie not thinking it was autobiographical i was fascinated by the entire movie the performances the actors have gotten recognized it's going to be nominated for best picture you're going to get jamie with the best supporting actor nomination there's four central characters there's a kid who is simply unreal who in theory was kenneth branagh as a kid if you want to believe that and it made me realize that the way we grow up in america anyone born let's say after the vietnam war Now lot's going on, and there's 9-11, and there's COVID, and there's all sorts of always stuff going on. But Northern Ireland, Belfast has moved into the top five for me, top five movies about Northern Ireland with In the Name of the Father, and The Crying Game, and other such movies. It's short, and it's serious. It's called Belfast, written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. All right, I wanted to do a few things differently here, Coca. I know we talked about this. We've got a bunch of, so you want to talk to Sampsons. I want to just get to the Nothing Personal pick of the day first, because this is a confusing one, because I want to give you picks that are going forward, and I'm not really sure of the line, so I have to do Money Line in a couple of games. So I just want to say that on Saturday, we've got, it's Christmas, right? Tomorrow is actual Christmas. And we don't know, the NBA could cancel games. Luca's right now in the protocols. Every day, more players are being put in COVID protocols. Get yourself vaccinated and boosted. At least you won't go into a hospital and, and die. That's a positive. Everyone's changing the rules right now. The NFL doctor came out and said, we have better information that people who are vaccinated are not spreading COVID. You can't get it from vaccinated people, so get vaccinated. The NBA is following suit to the NFL. They're gonna change all the quarantine rules because they're tired of putting out a product with all 10-day guaranteed contract players. So betting right now is very, very difficult. But I'm going three days into the future. I'm gonna give you a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, if that's okay, and that'll be the end of the year. So keep in mind that we were 169 and 154. That's the record. I don't really want to talk about what happened with the Titans and the Niners, okay? I just, I'm not, just take my word for it. I'm angry, so I'm letting it be. Saturday, the Packers are playing the Browns. It turns out that Baker Mayfield will not be the quarterback for the Browns, and the presumptive MVP will be the quarterback for the Packers. The Packers only beat the Ravens by one in Baltimore but the Packers are going to crush the Browns. This is one that Aaron Rodgers wants to get done with. They're favored by 7.5. If Rodgers goes down before the game tomorrow, what can I tell you? I think the way we should do a coca is do money line in all these games. So I'm saying Packers money line over the Browns or give the 7.5. And And I think the Hawks and Knicks are going to play. The Hawks stink. Trey Young, that team was supposed to take a step forward. They've taken a step back. The Knicks were supposed to take a step forward. They've taken a step back. This was supposed to be a great Christmas game when scheduled. Now it is a total hold-your-nose stinker. And I'm sorry to say the Hawks are going to beat the Knicks. Take the money line. Then we've got a rematch. This is one that they didn't think would be as good as it is, Suns-Warriors. We've picked the Suns-Warriors game twice so far. they played three times, twice that I can remember. We picked the Warriors the first time, and we lost. We picked the Warriors the second time, and we won. We're switching now, and we're doing the Suns over the Warriors. The game's in Phoenix. I think that that season series will go to one. one. I don't know what the season series is, but two-one in games that we've picked. So we're taking the Packers seven and a half over the Browns, the Hawks over the Knicks, the Suns over the Warriors. Then we go to Sunday. Guess what's happening Sunday? The Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden are playing John Elway and the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have been in the news. I know Gruden's not coaching. I know that uh, you've got um, pause and ready, wipe in. Hi, you've got the Denver Broncos and all the rumors everywhere about John Elway and the team being sold, rumors about Peyton Manning taking over. And the biggest question was, if Peyton Manning joins the ownership of the Broncos, will Elway be gone? And will the Manning cast from Sunday night or Monday night football where Peyton and Eli sit there and do a simulcast, will that disappear? Yeah, you're damn right it will. If you're running an organization, you're involved in ownership, you're not sitting there talking about other teams, your team, other players, that will disappear. The Broncos are going to go for billions, so Peyton Manning will be, you know, a Michael Jordan or a Derek Jeter, that's about it. I'm taking the Raiders, though. The Broncos were the most overrated team in football. Remember so many weeks ago, like 10 weeks ago, when they had the best record and everyone thought they were great, but they hadn't played anyone good? We've done very well picking against the Broncos. We're going to take the Raiders. Monday night game, we've got the Saints, where we just found out that Michael Mormile will be the starting quarterback. And Port and EK will be the offensive tackles. And Coca will be starting at safety. And I will be the head coach as part of my vacation. The reason I'm taking off, shh, don't tell anyone, is that... I am now the coach of the New Orleans Saints. I didn't even know you could have four quarterbacks. The Saints are starting a guy named Ian Book. Ian Book, you may remember is from his famous days at Notre Dame. Basilius. Saints are playing the Dolphins. Every other day, there's a new Dolphins player. Dolphins have won seven in a row. This is the easiest game in the world. You take the Dolphins, right? Nope. We're taking the Saints. So that's it. Those are the picks for the entire, my final pick of the year is the Saints over the Dolphins. Sort of fitting. I wish I could pick a Marlins game, but I'm not. Packers, Hawks, Suns, Raiders, Saints. You got that? No matter what, we will tell you on January 3rd how our, how our, how our year ended up. How our year ended up. And we are starting at 0-0 and with our pick on Monday night, January 3rd. Okay. Coca, I want to apologize in advance, but I've got the microphone. Now, you could cut it. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not letting the year end without talking about Chris Noth. I'm just not doing it. Chris Noth is the character on Sex and the City that got killed off after riding a Peloton in the first episode of the sequel series that's on TV right now. Sex and the City with Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon from Let It Ride, by the way. Who's your orthodontist? Ray Charles? That was Cynthia Nixon. And Kirsten Davis. And of course, Kim Cattrall, who's had a fight with Sarah Jessica Parker. Who cares? So Chris Knoth is in the show. He's on a peloton. And he's off the peloton. He has a heart attack and dies in the first episode of this series. It became a major financial situation where that was it. Peloton stock took a dive. Peloton made a commercial with Ryan Reynolds. Everything's going great. Mr. Big is in the commercial. Everything's amazing. And all of a sudden, women are coming out and accusing Chris Noth of sexual misconduct. From 2002, from 2004, from 2015, from two weeks ago yesterday. Now there's up to four cases. Chris Noth was fired by CBS, his show The Equalizer. The Peloton commercial was taken down. The Sex and the City women together had to react to someone they worked with for all those years and had to give a quote, which they did. They said, we are deeply saddened to hear the allegations against Chris Noth. We support the women who have come forward and shared their painful experiences. We know it must be a very difficult thing to do and we commend them for it. They had no choice. The way things work now, and I'm not hitting the third rail here, Coca, don't worry, I'm not. It is incredibly difficult for women to go forward, to come forward. It is finally time where women are able to come forward. There are lawyers waiting for women to come forward. Gloria Allred is waiting to do press conferences. That's her job. I'm in on all of it the behavior by men toward women that was acceptable 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago is not acceptable now, I agree. It never should have been acceptable, I agree. But there's one thing that I've talked about for 509 episodes that trumps all of it. Every one of these accusations by men against men, women against women, women against men, men against women, anybody in business, in entertainment, In politics in law in finance pick your industry there is one concept that we've completely lost track of and I'm just as guilty and the concept is innocent until proven guilty which is one of the great protections that you're supposed to get under this constitution, under this rule of law that we all are a part of, this democracy, is that you are innocent until proven guilty. But dog, by gun it, the way it works now is an accusation becomes a truth. Then you have to act on the accusation or you are risking losing your business. Why does Chris Noth get fired? Why are there examples of cancel? Because the companies are so worried. It's they're scared of their shadow that if the culture, the, the cancel culture comes after their business, they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose money. They're gonna lose market share. There is no individual above the profit line for Viacom CBS. not one. Not Charlie Rose, not Dan Rather, not David Sampson, not one. And I don't mean to put those three in the same sentence. That was silly. Nobody is the point. There is no executive who's more important than the company. If Mark Zuckerberg gets accused, he will be gone from Facebook so fast your head would spin. It will take four people, men or women, to come forward to say that he assaulted them or was inappropriate in the workplace, and he will step away from Facebook. You wanna get him away from Facebook? That's what you do. It is a sure thing, a straight Nicolette Sheridan, that if you want to make a change in any organization, you find a way to get people to talk. This is not me saying it didn't happen, though. That's the difference. And it's not me saying that he shouldn't be punished because he should if he did it. There is no excuse. There should be no statute of limitations. If you have been that way toward women, toward men, toward anyone in the workplace or anywhere else, and you've committed a crime, you go through the criminal system, you are innocent until proven guilty. But guess what? Here's a little surprise for you. In the civil world, in the corporate world, in the entertainment world, it's not the criminal system. There is no innocent until proven guilty. There is guilty, you're fired, we'll ask questions later. Freddy Gonzalez was a manager of the Marlins and he carried around with him a piece of paper and he would give it to players before the season started. He handed it to a bunch of executives too And i'm gonna butcher this quote so badly it's gonna make you laugh coca they came for blank and you were quiet then they came for blank and no one said a word then they came for blank and it was ignored then they came for blank and people shrugged their shoulders then they came for you and there was no one around okay <laughs> let's do a so you want to talk to samson i got to talk about insomnia is that okay coca nope
0: you know what i want <laughs> i want to talk to samson
1: so you want to talk to samson our final one of 2021 so you want to talk to samson is when you go on twitter at david p samson get into my direct mentions So you wanna talk to Samson as a character from a movie called Half Baked. If you have not seen Half Baked during this break, when you're not listening to past episodes and re-downloading and unsubscribing and resubscribing and making sure we don't lose our rankings or lose our listeners, lose anything of the RSS feed, that portable RSS feed, go watch Half Baked. Do whatever you have to do. There's a character in Half Baked named Samson and everybody wants to talk to Samson. I just got a text. Can I just interrupt this morning? From uh, Jack McKeon, our manager, and I love him. Sparky, happy holidays to a very special friend. You are the best. Love you, Trader Jack. How nice is that? It just happened. This show's done live. It's I guess it's live to tape, but it gets released right after we do it or whatever. But Whenever I see a name, because I do have my phone next to me and I'm not distracted, I have my train of thought. I never get detoured. I always remember what I'm talking about. But sometimes if there's an emergency, something I have to deal with, or I get a call from certain people, I'll answer it, maybe. But when I see Jack's name on the phone, you know, the guy's in his 90s. I'm definitely going to look to make sure that it's Jack texting me and not something else. So, so you want to talk to Samson is from a character in Half Baked. It's when you ask me a question, and I'll either answer it on Twitter, in the DMs, I'll answer it on a show, maybe a mailbag episode, maybe I won't answer it at all, because there's so many. But either way, I'll read almost all of them. Hi, David. Hi. Recently became a fan of yours via Lebitard Show. Thank you. I was wondering if you would converse with me about your insomnia. I know it's random and weird, and I'm sure you get a lot of messages. But I've been struggling with insomnia for the last five years. And I was wondering how you cope with it. You always seem to have a lot of energy. For me, it brings on extreme fatigue and anxiety. I wanted to end the year of shows with this exact question. And the reason I did is there is a part of my life that I talk about. I talk a lot about my life on this show. Ironic for something called Nothing Personal. I want you to know me because I want you to know that uh, issues that you have, I have. Things that you go through, panic, anxiety, concern, depression, all sorts of physical, mental issues, I have them, loss in my life, love and loss, divorce, mar- anything, marriage, kids, whatever. People who you listen to and they become a part of your, I'm in your ear, right, every day for 45 minutes. And I take it super seriously actually because I don't want you to think that I'm in any way not either appreciative or understanding of what you go through. I talked to you about my sleeping problems. I'm a bad sleeper. I'm up very often in the middle of the night because I have not found a way to calm my brain down. So the best example I can give you is that in order for me to fall asleep, I will take a Advil PM or a Tylenol PM or a Xanax prescribed uh, or an ambient prescribed, never together. And it helps me get to sleep, but I wake up within 45 minutes to an hour after I first fall asleep. And every night I have a fight with myself. And for people who don't sleep, you may not understand the fight because when you don't have this issue, you open your eyes, you turn over, and then you go back to bed. It's the fight, does everyone, do you have this fight? Koki, you're too young. It's the pee fight. Anyone else have the pee fight where you wake up, you have to go to the bathroom, but you wait because you don't want to get out of bed because you're too lazy. You hope it'll go away, but it doesn't go away. Then after 12 minutes or 30 minutes, you get up, you go to the bathroom. You're so relieved. You say, I can't believe I didn't do that after one minute. Does anyone else have that pee fight? I think you do. And you say, next time, I'm not going to wait. The minute I feel I have to go, I'm going to go. And then the next time it happens, you say, oh, I can hold it. I can fall back asleep, sleep. No problem. You go through the same damn thing every single time. How does that happen? I'm just curious. How does that happen? What happens to me is when I open my eyes, I'm a list guy. I've got lists everywhere. I've lists on post-it notes. I've lists in my phone. I've lists in pieces of paper next to my bed. I keep pads of paper all over where I live. And the reason I do is that everything has an order in my brain. I have an order of things I'm going to do. I visualize what I'm doing the next day from morning until night. I have my calendar. I'll look at it. I'll relook at it and I'll figure out what, when I'm on the air, what shows I'm recording, what meetings I have, what calls I have, and it's all scheduled out when I'm going to watch a movie, what the curtain time will be for that movie what my plans are that particular night. And when my eyes open, I go through the entire plan to make sure I have it right, to make sure that everything is gonna flow. I visualize, I learned this basically in elementary school and it, it, I did it through high school and through college, through law school. I did it in baseball every day. Visualization is a very powerful tool, but it's a dangerous tool because it's a tool that has led me to the place I am now, which is not sleeping. Because there's always something to visualize unless you don't do anything. And I do a lot. I mean, not more than you do. We all do the same amount. We do stuff. Even if you're on your couch, you're still doing stuff. So I visualize it so my eyes open after an hour. I start visualizing and then I'm wide awake. So I've been told to do several things. One, don't keep the phone next to your bed. Tried it. Two, play calming music. Tried it. Three. Don't make lists and have disorganized days. Haven't tried it. So what happened was during the course of my not sleeping, here's how insomnia works. And here's how I suggest that it will help you with your fatigue and anxiety. You have to lean into it. There was a time when me not sleeping became a serious problem for me and I was very concerned that I would not be active, that I would not be sharp. I thought it would impact my ability to process information. I thought it would impact my ability to make decisions. I thought it would impact my memory. I eventually realized that what was impacting those things was me fighting the insomnia, being angry with myself, punishing myself for not sleeping. What clicked for me was when I leaned into, this is my reality. And my reality is I'm going to sleep fewer hours than the next guy. That enabled me to deal with fatigue, the anxiety. But here's the other thing to know. No matter how much insomnia you have, there will come a time during the course of a day when you will be tired. For someone with insomnia, try to ignore whether it's day or night. When you feel that bit of tiredness, close your eyes and go to sleep. People will understand. It took me a long time, I'm 53 now, it took me a long time to realize that guess what? There is tomorrow. The sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring? But the fact is that what you have to get done today that keeps your brain moving, that stops you from sleeping, that gives you anxiety, 99.9% of the time you can do it tomorrow. And the differentiating factor is that there are people who keep putting it off till tomorrow. It's not because they have insomnia, not because they have anxiety. That's just because they're lazy and they're not going to accomplish anything. If you move something to tomorrow for a reason, with a purpose, to address something that is bothering you, to address lack of sleep or anxiety, and you do it the following day, then you are a success. So I want want you to follow up with me, whoever asked this question. I appreciate the question. It is something that I struggle with and think about still every day, but leaning into it has been helpful, okay? Lean into it, my friend. Well, we are past the time. Coca, let me go late. It's the last show of the year. I had a few other things I wanted to talk about. Someone asked me a survivor question. We may have to wait for that about being a survivor contestant. I think we're gonna have to wait for that, Coca. I really do. I leave you with the following, if there's one thing that 2021 has taught us and my wish for you is health because that is the thing that is the single most important. My 2021 had a lot of personal loss, I lost my father, I lost my sister, I am not unhappy for this year to come to an end and wishing away time is not something I take lightly because I don't get enough of it. So when 2022 comes, I'm looking for health. I'm looking to end this pandemic and make it an endemic. I'm looking for everyone to accomplish that which you want, but to know that you've got to work to get it. But when you're looking for someone to explain why the world spins on its axis the way it does, 2022 will teach you exactly what 2021 taught you. And that's, it's just business. This is nothing personal.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.